Hi there, Colleen Hunt, Gluten-Free Gold, based in Delega, Panama. And I was just thinking today, I'm just getting set up. I prepped some stuff for the bakery today and the uh, nut and seed crackers are in the oven and it's time for my Spanish lesson. And uh, we have a street dog that's in heat that's hanging around here. So we have 10 other dogs that are just driving us crazy, peeing on everything. So we took our patio furniture, put it in the bodega, which is a shed here. And I lured the dog in heat into the shed and she's uh, going to be able to get some rest, I hope, this morning before the 10 other dogs go after her. Yes, I know she should be fixed, but she's a street dog. She comes to our place to eat. I will consider the dogs mine when they allow me to wash them. But anyways, I was just thinking about when I grew up, and that was pff, eons ago, it seems. I'm 59 now. When I grew up in in grade school and high school that you were supposed to pick your subjects for for school according to what you wanted to be when you grew up and I really didn't know what I wanted to be I just knew that I didn't want to be what was allowed at that time which was a teacher a secretary a nurse a cashier that's that's pretty well the jobs that stand out in my memory of, of what I was allowed. Cashier, uh, no. Nurse, I don't like sick people. Teacher, uh, uh, no, no. They are special, special people. And I think that this pandemic has shown uh, a lot of parents just how special they are, definitely. I'm looking out across the field behind our place, and um, this is the first Sunday that there hasn't been a quarantine. And also, to top it off, the curfew is 11 o'clock tonight instead of uh, 7 in the evening. So I'm, I'm watching a whole bunch of people cycle. Cycling is, I think, one of the number one sports here in Panama. Cycling, baseball, and soccer. And I've, in the last couple of minutes that I've been talking, I've seen about 40 bicyclists go by with their families. So they usually go up to Boquete if it's a, if it's a marathon. They go from David to Boquete, and I think it's like 46 kilometers one way. 46? Yeah, that's right, I think. Anyways, getting back. Sorry, squirrel. Anyways, getting back, and there was nothing that I really wanted to do. Um, I always wanted to be a cook, but from what I've read, and unless you're in the top so many percent, you, you don't get paid crap. You're doing all the bowl work. Because I've always baked, and I've always cooked as, as long as I could remember. So... When I reached 18, just when they turned the, uh, changed the, the drinking laws, I started to be a barmaid, a bar waitress, bartender, depending on which place, for the next 13 years. And it was a job that, uh, with my partying lifestyle, was great. I, uh, 
made really, really good tips. Uh, made really crappy salary, but I made really good tips. Um, that was 35, oh, 40 years ago. Um, even 35 years ago, I was making uh, 2000 a month in tips and maybe 150 a month in wages. Like I said, really good tips, really crappy wages. But it fed into my lifestyle. It fed into my lifestyle when I was partying and single, and it fed into my lifestyle when I was having my babies. Because I would be home with them during the day, uh, do all the house cleaning, cooking, whatever with them, and then leave at 4 or 5 in the afternoon and work till 2 in the morning and then get home and, and do it all again. But it worked for me at that time in my life. But it got to the point that when I was separated from my husband, um, I needed a job that paid good money and that I was at home with the kids at night. It had been 13 years. I started out making three fifty an hour. I was now, after 13 years, making $3 an hour. And there was no way that I could provide a home for my children with that. And the bar scene just wears on you, especially since I had uh, quit drinking and partying and it, it just wasn't fun. It was uh, crappy dealing with drunk customers all the time. So, so um, I went back to school, uh, first high school, to try and get my high school because I left at grade ten, and I had my uh, I did my uh, whatever I needed on ten. I finished my eleven. And then I went into the college which had upgrading, which helped you prepare for college courses, and I took that as well. So I was doing that with the four kids and working nights and going to school during the day. Let me tell you, I didn't sleep a lot at all. But I, I, when I finished my upgrading and I had my uh, grade 12 equivalent, then I applied for, I was thinking of applying for uh, college. A college course, but I didn't know what was good with me. Well, my ex-husband helped me with that. I had, sorry, having my morning coffee. I had uh, an ex-husband that stalked me for two and a half years. So he would tamper with my vehicle all the time. And it turned out um, there was always stuff. They didn't have those locking uh, gas things at the time, uh, gas caps, and my car was an older one, so I didn't have one on the car, and he kept putting crap in my gas tank, so every couple weeks, I would have to rebuild my carburetor, and then it got to the point, instead of buying gaskets, I would make my own gaskets, and, and I started realizing I was really, really good at fixing things like really good at fixing things. So I talked to um, some teachers and found out that instrumentation technology would be the thing for me. So I did my schooling and I think it was two and a half, three years because the first year I was uh, partying a little bit too much. 
And um, yeah, so I did that, passed, uh, didn't get a job right away. And I started, well, you know what, maybe I'll take another course. So I was uh, just in the first month of mill writing when I got a job interview. And I went and um, at the time the Canadian government was offering incentives to businesses that were hiring women in uh, non-women roles, non-female roles. So I got hired as a shift maintenance worker. And uh, to do that I would have to be doing mill writing and hoisting and rigging and instrumentation and electrical and plumbing like you're supposed to be able to cover everything they give you uh, forklift training they gave you uh, closed spaces training they gave you training up the wahoo to make sure that you couldn't say that you couldn't do something because you didn't have the training you were always training. And in that two years, it was am amazing the amount I learned. But I found out that not only did the schooling help, but following the other workers, the guys that had been in the industry for 10, 15 years, and seeing what they did. Uh, for an example, I, I used to follow a guy, Gilbert. And... Um, I'd watch him, and, and he would, when he did his rounds, he always put his hands on the side of these great big vats that we had. It was a corrugated cardboard company. Uh, he put his hands on, on the vats, and he put his hands and listened to the, the pumps and the turbines and stuff. And I said, oh, what are you doing? He said, how do you know when something is going to break unless you know, or something is broken unless you know what it's supposed to sound like when it's okay and he was it was true because of his example I was be able to predict uh, a month ahead that there's bearings going in this uh, turbine or, or bearings going in this motor or apparatus or that the during the next shutdown when they shut down for maintenance that um, this repair should be on on the list and he was a really good teacher. But even when I did that, and I think it was, oh, I'd like to say, oh, 95, 1995, even though when I was doing that, I was in a field, uh, professional field that there were not a lot of females when I was in college there was 12 to 15 females in a building of 2,000 students and by the first semester it was usually down to three because the guys gave you the treatment that you would be getting in the field and a lot of people just couldn't take it and when I was at the mill it was the same thing it was the guys would comment to me that I was taking a well-paying job out of a guy's 
role, like uh, out of, uh, they didn't think of the fact that I was supporting a family. What they thought of was a guy could not support a family because I was in that position. I got, I got better treatment than the guys did. And they were really, really upset with that. And the only way that I got around that is I showed them from determination and strength that I deserve to be there. I deserved, I earned my spot in that p profession. Like I, I, I worked and, and worked and, and a lot of times it was 12 hour shifts. I worked my butt off. And the awful part is I did that for 15 years, a bunch of different places. But I did that type of work for 15 years. And the only thing that I was really not comfortable with was the high, high forms of electricity I had to work with in current. And I would be pet petrified because they always showed us films in our training and, and safety of how uh, electrical panels would explode and what have you and what would happen if you did the wrong thing and i was always fearful that every day that i went into work i was going to die that day uh, the guys knew i was scared shitless and so what they would do is they when i was changing these huge breakers they uh, fuses they'd come up behind me and as soon as i opened those breaker panels the sweat was pouring down my arms inside my coveralls and um, down my face and on my lip and they would come up behind me and, and grab me from the sides and say boo I was just like oh my god you guys are kidding yeah but anyways I did that for 15 years I worked at the uh, corrugated uh, recycled corrugated plant I worked at a, a research facility for flat panel displays, um, um, a solar panel company in uh, Detroit, another research and then pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical uh, business in Southern Ontario. And then it, it just got to the point that you're making really good money and you're, you know what you're doing, but you had that fear every day that you go in about dying. and. You just, when you wake up, you just don't want to go in anymore. And we knew that the plant that we were working at was going to be shut down in two years. So I started looking around. Started trying to figure out what I could do at home that would make a living and that I would look forward to getting up to every morning and that I would enjoy. It didn't matter the amount of work that was involved. It was at the point that we were working so much. I was getting up at four in the morning and working till 11 at night, seven days a week with the renovations and the working and the gardens. And But it was something that I really enjoyed doing and something that gave me joy. So it didn't seem like work to me. I worked hard and I, I gambled in Vegas really hard. So it worked itself out. But you know what, when they ask you, like when you're a child, do you want to know what you want to do when you grow up? It, it's so, so hard. Like now, I'm 59, I'm still working. I'm doing the 
farmer's market here in Boquete. And then uh, private orders. I'm doing this for a living, but it's not a good living, but it's something I definitely enjoy. Just like going into work to help the boyfriend with his construction. He, he has a dream. He wants to build a construction company. I have no problem whatsoever on helping him or helping us get that. And it would be us. No problem whatsoever. Because at 65, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. He's got a long time to work. He's young, a lot younger than me, but not me. 65, I'll find something to do that's closer to home, closer to my heart. So, so I was just wondering if, if you guys, like, don't beat yourself up if you don't know what you do. It's the same as, as people. People in your, are in your life, certain times of your life, for a reason. Same as if you don't adjust to the times, you're going to be miserable. And adjusting to the times for my job set is the same thing. Do I want to be rigid? No. Never know what's out there. You never know what what you're put on this earth to do. All these different steps or positions are just getting you closer, I hope, to the end goal. So Colleen Hunt, Gluten-Free Gold, based in Delega, Panama.